This is Anxiously with Amy and Lisa. Now here are your hosts, Amy and Lisa. Welcome everyone to Anxiously with me, Lisa. And me, Amy. I went to Starbucks today, which is usually one of my safe places. I just <laughs> I, I just love it there. And it was really crowded. It was like pre-pandemic levels of crowded and that made me super, super anxious. And I felt like, I don't know if I can do this. Too many people for me in this enclosed space. And so it was harrowing. <laughs> I had a similar experience yesterday at Starbucks. I went in to get, just to pick up coffees that I had pre-ordered and it was packed. I'm so glad you understand. <laughs> it was um, uncomfortable. So... The other day, I had to go to the grocery store and to buy some chicken breasts. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, just like just reaching into that refrigerated shelf and picking up the styrofoam. Oh my God. Whether it was real or imagined, <laughs> I, I just felt like there was juice, like chicken <gasps> juice, raw chicken, chicken juice, juice dripping. And I had to, <gasps> I ha- fortunately, I had taken an empty plastic bag from the produce section and carried it over to the meat section <laughs> so I could wrap the chicken carton in it, but it still brought up a lot of things for me. What did it bring up for you? I totally relate, of course. I was scared of getting salmonella. That's, yes, I guess, <laughs> that's, that's number one. <laughs> I felt grossed out by my own grossed outness, I guess. Like, yeah. how can I be so lame? People buy chicken every day and it's... An exercise for me. So for me, Shabbat dinner is roast chicken. That was how I grew up. That was just like the tradition. And so I like chicken for Friday night dinner for Shabbat. And I went to take out the chicken from the fridge and I I couldn't touch it. Like it was the same (laughs) thing. It was like in its container. I opened it and it was just glistening and pink and and slimy and yeah, like it's like I was like, I am going to get salmonella if I touch this. I'm going to somehow infect <laughs> the whole kitchen. It was viscerally upsetting. So um, I finally had to have my husband come in and take over and, and actually make the chicken. <laughs> and I, the sad thing is, like, I love chicken. Did your mom cook a lot? My mom is still a great cook. I, I would say my mom was sort of like the ultimate balabusta. She, my parents are not American. My, my mom is Hungarian. She ruled the kitchen. I wasn't really allowed in there. Like that was like her space, her domain. And I never really learned how to cook from her because again, that was like her area. So I think a lot of that informs my hesitation and fear in the kitchen and this feeling that I'll never live up to my mom's incredible culinary (laughs) domestic talents. But then the flip side of that is like, I then feel bad about myself that I, you know, I obviously haven't inherited whatever, you know, gifts. Was your mom a balabusta in the same way? My mom has many wonderful talents and skills, but cooking, she did cook when we were young, but she is not very good at it. I'm sorry, mom, if you hear this. And (laughs) she never seemed to really enjoy it. And her mother used her oven for storage. So (laughs) I never learned how to cook from them. But I have a lot of guilt. Like I feel really, Mm. I feel bad. And I feel bad for not being a homemaker in that way. And 
I wish I were. But isn't that frustrating that, like, we're feminists. We're, like, right. accomplished <laughs> career women. Right. Like, well-educated, probably overly educated. Um, and and yet we still, like, harbor these kind of, you know, very primal, old-fashioned ideas about what about gender roles, about what women should be doing in the kitchen, what makes someone, quote-unquote, a great, you know, housewife, <laughs> for lack of a better word. There's all this tension there. There is. You're totally right. And I I mean, growing up, I was always encouraged to focus on my studies and make up for, I don't know, the guilt, I guess, that I have now. Right. I felt like it it was kind of mixed messages because my parents are very old school and traditional on the one hand. On the other hand, growing up, it was all about yeah, getting good grades, getting a job. and But then all of a sudden when you're actually an adult and you're like forced to cook for yourself, right. <laughs> you have to confront <laughs> these, these fears. Okay, so obviously Lisa and I are anxious about chicken. So we thought it would be a good idea to bring in an expert who spends her days touching raw stuff. We're really pleased to welcome chef and author Shannon Sarna. We are so excited to welcome our guest, Shannon Sarna, the editor of The Nosher, everyone's favorite Jewish food site, and the author of Modern Jewish Baker, Challah, Babka, Bagels, and More. I have to say, every week when we bake challah in our house, Shannon's is the recipe we go to, and it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. So thank you so much. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you, guys. So you're a self-described, I love this term, pizza bagel, Um, part Italian, part Jewish. Your grandfather was apparently a food chemist. So you have a fascinating background and with a ton of interesting food traditions. Can you tell us a little bit about growing up and what role food played in your home? So I think the, the the couple of stories that most illustrate what life was like around food in my house was, number one, my grandfather, who was a food chemist and like, I don't know, like invented a lot of stuff, was that like if it was breakfast, he was already planning what we were having for like lunch, dinner, and breakfast the next day, <laughs> which like as a kid is very, very annoying. And of course now... Um, you know, that's who I am. And like, I'm just like annoying my kids. I'm like, but what do you want for lunch? What should I pack for you for lunch? What do you want tomorrow for dinner? Can you help me pick your, right? So like, I'm just driving them crazy. But, and his wife, my grandma, Phoebe, who's 96, she just had her 96th birthday this week. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell her. I feel like, it's like, like, it's like, I'm owning this, um, this milestone for her. She is such a quintessential Jewish grandma, except for the fact that she is a terrible cook. Like I hated Jewish food up until I was a teenager because I really only had her Jewish food. My mom was Italian, so she cooked Italian food at my house. So I just thought Jewish food was like really gross because like in dried out brisket or like burnt kugel in comparison to like my mom's tortellini alfredo, there was no comparison. So I, I really didn't enjoy Jewish food until I was much older. I identify. I come from a long line of horrible Jewish cooks as well. My mom, the same thing. It was dried out roast beef or paprika chicken. It was just, nothing was good. I'm sorry, mom. How did you come to discover that you loved making these Jewish staples? How did you find your way to doing this? It's a little bit sad and a little bit happy. My mom died when I was a teenager from cancer. And I think, you know, like death 
like it does weird stuff. So we, one of the things that did for our family was our holidays kind of changed up. So we started celebrating um, the Jewish holidays with some of my dad's very close family friends, uh, the Simpkins. And they were, they lived across the street from my grandma, Phoebe. And they were, they were just like all really close. The, the moms were close. The kids were close. And David, we call Uncle David, he's an unbelievable cook. And so was his mom. And so I will never forget the first Rosh Hashanah I spent with them. And I was like, oh my God, kugel is delicious. Like, where has this kugel been all my life? And it was like a dairy kugel, you know, with like a pound of, you know, cottage cheese and sour cream and the cornflakes on top. And, you know, the brisket was like, oh, it's like in a, one of those deliciously rich sauces. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like now I'm I get it now. Get it. Oh yeah. Um, so that was like one thing. And then like, you know, I was like a teenager when it happens, which is like a really easy age to lose a parent. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like I have kept many therapists in business. So I like was taking care of two siblings. So I had to cook more. So that was one part of it. Another part of it was like, I was really starting to ask myself, like, who did I want to be? And where did I see myself? And exploring my Jewish identity was one of those things that sort of happened during that time. And food is a like literally delicious entry point. And I started baking challah. And so that was really like the first conscious Jewish act that I took was baking challah. So it's very special that today I'm kind of known more for challah than anything else. So I don't know how much you know about me and Lisa and our relationship to cooking, which is fraught to say the least. <laughs> I heard you have some anxiety. Is that right? Some. Uh... <laughs> we both are completely horrified by and scared of raw chicken and can't bear to touch it. Like, I have trouble looking at it. And I'm just wondering, like, did you ever find anything super gross? I have to say that I'm pretty not squeamish, but I don't think you're alone in the fear of cooking and handling raw chicken. I think it's a very common fear. I feel better. I hear that. I hear it a lot. I mean, even my mother-in-law, like, she's like, I don't want to look at it if it looks like a chicken. And I'm like, then don't eat the chicken, Jody. But um, <laughs> but I, I do hear a lot of people say that they have a lot of fear around handling chicken and cooking it and just like touching it or seeing it. I've cooked tongue. I would cook anything. So I've never had that squeamishness about it. Um, so for me, I feel like it goes beyond squeamishness into worry that I'm going to get sick from it, that it has salmonella or, you know, I think I've like absorbed all these messages from the media that like there's all these diseases and and I eat meat. Obviously, I'm not vegetarian. I, I love chicken. How do you sort of deal with like food safety or is that not something you think about too much? Like, do you just sort of trust that the food is good quality and it's going to be okay? You know, I think there's like a lot of mixed messages that are really just like driven by headlines. Statistically speaking, it's far more likely that you would get salmonella or food poisoning from lettuce or from from spinach than from chicken. Oh, great. Thanks. Now I'm going to be scared of lettuce and spinach. But... <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. It's that salad that's going to kill you. Um, I got Vibrio, which is like a bacterial what? infection. Oh, no. From oysters, <laughs> which I get, oh. which is like, God's like, Stop eating so yeah, much trace, exactly. Shannon. I've never had oysters, which is, goes along with growing up in a kosher home, but also they do gross me out too. Lisa, you like oysters, right? They do gross me out a little bit, but I do like them. <laughs> I, I, with oysters, I don't touch them. Like I'll touch the shell, but I will never touch the actual slimy Oysters bit. are like, they look a little... They're pretty nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I do love them. And it was like a really nice, it's like a nice Manhattan restaurant. So, you know, I think that 
food poisoning can happen, but I, I've almost never experienced it from chicken. And I think that um, there's just a lot of misinformation about it. One of the things that I get a question a lot about is, is like, should you wash off your chicken? And the answer is actually no. Hmm. Um, you shouldn't rinse it because what can happen is when you're rinsing it, you're more likely to spread out Ooh. any raw chicken germs into your kitchen. So <laughs> just don't rinse it. Just pat it dry before you're working with it. What you do want to be careful of is making sure that anything that the raw chicken touches, you do then want to wash off well. Like if you're putting raw chicken on a plate and adding seasoning and then putting it into a pan or into the oven, don't put anything cooked back onto that plate. Just put that into the sink and like wash it off. Right. I will go then like 10 steps farther. And if the plate that the raw chicken touched, touched the bottom of the sink, then I have to clean the sink <laughs> <Yes>. with bleach. <Yes. laughs> that's, that's where my right. issues It's like, how do we, how do we rein in the, the level of neuroses here? Because it, it's keeping right. us from like cooking, actually. And I think I have like a really good idea for you guys. Okay. Yes. Like before any cooking starts, you should pour yourself like a really big glass of wine. And then you won't <laughs> think about it as much. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Always, always good advice. Always Excellent. good advice. This anxiety, I think, really does kind of feed into our feelings about ourselves as homemakers or wives or mothers or like women, really, who can't feed our families. And that's so funny tension. There's all these sort of mixed messages for women about, you yeah. know, and, and it's interesting. It's so great having you on the show to talk about this because you've made your career very successfully being a, a woman who cooks and kind of juggling that the woman in the kitchen versus the woman out <laughs> out in the world making the career for herself. I, well, I say just kind of like screw all of the expectations or assumptions. Like if you and your family are fed, like it really just doesn't matter. And like Whole Foods prepared section is like amazing. <laughs> I ordered lots of prepared foods and takeout, um, not because I don't want to cook for me, but just because there's just only so many hours in the day. So I think think you should do the things that bring you joy. I also think that people make the mistake of when they're cooking, instead of like going to step one, right, which is like to make a simple baked chicken or a roast chicken or, you know, they want to go to step five and they like open a Bon Appetit or a food and wine and see a recipe and like go straight for that. But there's nothing wrong or shameful about making just like good, simple recipes. And I have a friend, she really loves like hot cuisine and, you know, she's always up on all of the crazy food trends. But when I go to her house, I always make something from Taste of Home magazine, which is like for homemakers by homemakers, because those Midwestern moms, they know their shit and it's good recipes <laughs> and they're not complicated. And I bring her stuff from there and she's like, oh my God, I love this. What is it? I'm like, it's a no bake peanut butter, chocolate, whatever pie. And she's like, what? <laughs> right? Like it is the most unfancy thing. Like good food does not have to be fancy. You know, cornflake chicken is delicious. Like just make cornflake chicken and call it, it a day, right? Because who, who doesn't want cornflakes on top? And like also, oh, enough with like, um, I will have the skinless, boneless chicken breast, please. Like the good part about chicken is that there's so much flavor in like the fat and the bones. And so if boneless, skinless chicken breasts are like a good entry point for you, that's great. Do that. But then also, you know, try other things like a roast, a simple roast chicken. 
is like actually the easiest thing because you just can like throw it in the oven. Just like put it at the right temperature for the right amount of time. And it really should be fine. Do your kids cook? Like do you cook with your kids? My kids do cook. My eight-year-old cooks a lot with me. I really wanted to empower her to make her own stuff. You know, you never want to like send your kid off to college and they don't know how to do a load of laundry or like make a scrambled egg. So that was me. <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah. And you're fine. You're great. You're totally fine. We're all going to fuck up our kids in our own special way. Exactly. Exactly. There's always um, something. Right. And are they good eaters? Uh, my eight year old and my one year old are like unbelievable eaters. They will eat anything. Like they love everything. Curry. I made this like Afghan chicken soup today. They loved it. My four year old is like, I would like a steady diet of Oreos, cheese sticks, and bagels. <laughs> Whatever. She's, she seems to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they figure it out. I'm just like, I don't care what you eat. Just eat something so you're not hangry. So sure. Oreos for dinner. <laughs> so I want to know, like, are you guys going to try and cook any chicken? <laughs> I I feel I feel like we have to. Yeah. I feel like I have to. Exposure therapy. You should cook things you like. We don't like chicken. Don't cook chicken, you know? That's yeah. true. But you could do, you could just touch the chickens <laughs> for exposure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to sort of get over the, I mean, I, I'm like talking for myself too, because I feel like I just need to like get in there literally and, and do it. And I, yeah, and I do love chicken. Oh. So, and I love chicken soup and all those kind of classic Jewish foods that I grew up eating with a mom who was a really good cook at all those classic Jewish cuisine. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, it was nice, but that's what kind of kept me out of the kitchen because my mom wasn't is so good at it. So it's like I didn't need to, but now I would like to. I would like to hear about it. Um, <laughs> I would like a follow up with your chicken or other successes. Please. We will update you, you for sure. Yes, we'll send you photos. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And lots of luck. I hope that the podcast goes great. Thank you, Shannon. So Lisa, it's been a few days since we talked to Shannon, and now I want to know, have you touched raw chicken? I have to admit, I have not touched raw chicken since we last spoke. However, I have started cooking one meal a week, which feels pretty good. That's amazing. But a non-chicken meal. <laughs> Vegetarian. Baby steps. Baby steps. (laughs) Exactly. How about you? Well, I actually kind of made a breakthrough, which was remarkable. Not only did I make chicken and touched it, um, I made a chicken dish that my mom always makes. So I feel like it was a very kind of deep experience that was tied into a lot of what we talked about regarding moms and anxiety and chicken. And I think it was sort of healing for me. I definitely am still super grossed out and scared of touching raw chicken, but it was a good experience, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. I think our, you know, I think this show helps. Good for you. So now that we've talked about all the things that make us anxious, what are you doing lately that helps make you a little calm maybe or calmer? We have introduced a new person into our lives, our family, a dog trainer for our dog, Lila, who... Also has a lot of anxiety. Oh, welcome, Lila. <laughs> welcome <laughs> yeah. to the club. Yeah, she could be our mascot. She yeah. is a lovely dog, but she is very anxious, especially when she's outside. And mm. this dog walker has been working miracles, and she's mm. so good on the leash now. And walking her has become a real pleasure. So that's it's a relaxing 
activity to go go out with her now. How about you? So I've been watching this absolutely ludicrous show on Netflix called Emily in Paris. And <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but such great eye candy. It's just beautiful scenes of Paris and beautiful clothes and chocolate croissant. And oh, nice. um, even though I roll my eyes at the, you know, clunky dialogue, it's still just, I find it lowers my blood pressure in the evening. So um, I recommend. Oh, nice. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds perfect. <laughs> So after all that, tell me, Lisa, are you feeling a little bit less anxious? Yeah, I think I am a little bit. How about you, Aim? Yeah, I think I am. And I hope all of you listening are too. Thank you so much for listening. And Lisa, what do you always say to me when we're both freaking out about something? Amy, I know you get it. And guys, I hope you all get it too. Anxiously is brought to you by Tablet Studios. Our producers are Josh Cross, Sara Fredmanator, and Robert Scaramucha. Our music is by the best band in the world, Low Cut Connie. Please rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. It really helps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at anxiouslypod. And if you have feedback or questions about the show, email us at anxiously at tabletmag.com. For more information about the show, head to tabletmag.com slash anxiously and check out all of Tablet's podcasts at tabletmag.com slash podcasts. See you later.